Uh, tonight we're going to look at Tola and Jair, and that's how I say it. I don't know if it's right, but that's how I say it, Jair. Uh, we quickly went through nearly 60 verses last week uh, that were recorded for us about Abimelech, and before that we spent about six weeks looking at all that was recorded about Gideon. Uh, we've looked at five judges already, plus Abimelech, and we've learned quite a bit along the way. Uh, we've gone through nine chapters, not verse by verse, but we've gone through nine chapters of the book of Judges. And with all of the judges that we've studied so far, for the most part, there's been a decent amount recorded about each of the judges, uh, but not tonight. Tonight we're going to study Tola and Jair. And between the two of these judges, there are only five verses recorded about them for us. Uh, so this means that the message is going to be very short, right? Uh, maybe not. We'll see. We'll just see how it goes. Uh, we're we're going to look at both of these judges and how God used them, and we'll see what we can learn from them. And then after we study both of these judges, we're going to look at how Israel acts after both of these judges are gone. So first tonight, we're going to look at Tola, and Tola is the sixth judge of Israel. Now, what happened leading up to Tola's time as judge of Israel? Last week, we quickly looked through uh, Abimelech's time when he was ruling, and we seen that Israel was not really concerned at all with God. Uh, Israel walked away from God, and when uh, back when Gideon died. So if you look at Judges chapter 8, verse 33, it says, And it came to pass, as soon as Gideon was dead, the children of Israel turned again and went a-whoring after Balaam and made Baal bereth their God. Uh, so Israel was not close to God after Gideon's time. And worse than not being close to God, they started worshiping false gods again. Uh, this lack of closeness to God and following after uh, God and, and then going, turning from God and going towards all this wickedness, this leads Israel into making bad decisions. Uh, and it's uh, really incredibly hard for anyone to make a good and right decision when they are not close to God. They're not right with God. It makes making good decisions even harder. Israel never got close to God. During the three years of Abimelech's time, although they did get uh, sick of Abimelech, I guess you could say, but they ne didn't necessarily ever get close to God during any of that time. Uh, so from the time Gideon uh, died and then the three years of Abimelech's time, they've been away from God this whole time. Uh, we see that Gideon dies, Israel leaves God, Israel has internal battles during the time of Abimelech there. And now it seems that they're probably having battles with at least one of the surrounding nations because they're in need of a new judge again. Uh, this terrible situation is what is going on before Tola rises up to be judged. So he didn't necessarily walk into a great situation. Uh, but Tola does rise to the occasion. Look at chapter 10, Judges chapter 10, and we'll look at verse 1. And after Abimelech there arose to defend Israel Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, and he dwelt in Shamir in Mount Ephraim. Uh, so Israel here, they need a leader. Israel needs a, uh, a man to step up. 
They need a man to rise to the occasion. Uh, and this man is Tola. Tola rises up to defend Israel. I believe Tola was looking around and he seen the terrible situation that Israel was in. I, I, I don't think he was blind. I think he's seen what was going on. He's seen the wickedness around him. And he knew that he had two choices. Uh, he knew that he could do nothing at all. He could just let it all go. He could have uh, just figured that it wasn't really his problem. He's not responsible for everyone else's actions. He could have just stayed out of it altogether. He could have just sat there and relaxed and stayed out of it. And this is what we do a lot, though, when we walk past a situation when we can help, right? Uh, we pretend maybe we don't even see it. Uh, we close our eyes as we walk by. Uh, we see someone that's hurting or sad and needs some help, and we don't stop to help them. Uh, sometimes we see someone in need, and we don't help them. Maybe someone dropped their groceries, and we just think, ah, they'll get it, or someone else will help them, and we just keep on going by. Uh, we don't bother ourselves to stop and help. Now, uh, some years ago, I was working midnights, and uh, I was having to go to the gas station after my shift. And I worked 12 hours through the whole night. I was tired. I didn't like stopping on the way home. I just wanted to go home and go to sleep, you know. And uh, so I stopped at the gas station, and I'm filling my car up with gas. And I look over across the way in the same parking lot there. By the air machine was a lady who worked in the same uh, company as me. I didn't know her personally. I didn't even know her name. Uh, I just knew I seen her there, and she was wearing the uniform. And she was over there trying to fill her tire up with air. And I think, oh, okay, she's just filling up with air and going to go home. Well, I keep pumping and I kind of keep looking over because I'm kind of nosy and I want to see what's going on. And I see she's over there for a while and nothing's happening and the tire's still flat. And she seems to get frustrated and she's looking at the machine a lot like, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do kind of thing. Uh, and so now my car is just about full of gas. And in my mind, I would have never said this out loud, but in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking, can't her tire just accept air and I don't have to worry about this? You know, I'm thinking if, if this would just fix itself, I wouldn't have to bother myself at all with helping her. And so then the pump's done and, and I hang up the, the pump handle and I sit in my car and I'm looking over there and I'm thinking, do I go help or do I go home and sleep? And, and, and my flesh is saying sleep, obviously sleep. We want to go sleep, you know. And it just so happens the car next to her backs out and leaves and there's this wide open spot right next to her. It's like God saying, hello, here you go, you know. And uh, and I'm still sitting in my car and I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe the air will go in this time or something. And eventually I talk myself into going over there. I pull up next to her and I give her a hand. She ended up, the tire was no good. That's why I didn't accept air. And she had a spare and I helped her put the spare on um, and, and everything was okay. But how come... It took me so long to make that decision. How come I had to sit in my car and convince myself it was the right thing to do to go over and help her? Uh, why is it so hard for us to help people sometimes? Uh, I, I think it's because it causes us to have to sacrifice a little bit. Maybe we had to sacrifice a little bit of energy, uh, a little bit of money, maybe some time. I, in my case there, uh, I was very low on energy and I didn't want to sacrifice any of it, right? Uh, we have to battle our own flesh and convince it that it will be okay and that we need to make this sacrifice to help someone else out in need. When I was sitting in my car and when I was standing there at the pump, I was battling my flesh. My flesh was saying, go home. 
Uh, it's, it's your life. You, you don't need to concern yourself. Uh, but we have to make that battle. We have to make the right decisions. Uh, we see here uh, in Judges that Tola had two options. Uh, one, he could sit back and do nothing, or he could rise up and become the leader that Israel needed. We see that Tola stepped up. He rose up to be the leader that Israel needed. Tola was willing to sacrifice a little. Tola was willing to tell his flesh that it'll be okay. Uh, and he was okay with the sacrifice of the time and energy that it was going to take to be the leader that Israel needed. Tola stepped up. Uh, are there any men willing to step up now like Tola did? We need spiritual leaders in the body of Christ. We need men that are willing to make that sacrifice and be the spiritual leaders that we so desperately need today. Uh, Christians now more than ever have a real need for real men to step up and to lead. We need men that are close to God. We need men that are right with God. Men that know the word of God. We need men that are willing to step up and lead. Uh, for generations now, we've had men that are taking this first option. And we have men that are just sitting back. Men that are closing their eyes to their brothers and sisters in Christ that are in need, that are in need of some spiritual help, uh, some spiritual guidance, some spiritual leading. Uh, we have men that are walking through church, ignoring the fact that there are empty places where they need to be, uh, empty spaces in leadership roles that they should be in. Uh, men today don't even want to commit themselves to fully, fully commit themselves to God and to his church anymore. Us men need to step up. Us men need to commit ourselves to God and to God's church and to God's people. Uh, men need to be willing to be the spiritual leaders that we desperately need today. Tola sees a need here. Tola steps up. Uh, Tola becomes the leader that is needed during his time. Uh, so who is Tola? What, what do we know about him? Uh, n not much, really. That, that's, that's about it. We don't know very much about Tola. Uh, it tells us in these couple verses that he was from the tribe of Issachar. Uh, we know that he is the sixth judge of Israel. He comes after Gideon and before Jair. And we've talked about his personality a little bit, how he was willing to step up when needed. Uh, he was uh, resolved himself to rise up when needed, but we uh, also can see that he is strong and willing to fight for his people. We know that he is from the tribe of Issachar. Uh, when Jacob was handing out blessings before his death, uh, he blessed Issachar and said that he is strong. And so the, the people from Issachar, they are a strong people. Uh, we can see more evidence of that in 1 Chronicles chapter 7. We'll turn there now. 1 Chronicles chapter 7. We'll see a little bit about who the um, people of Issachar were. 1 Chronicles chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Now the sons of Issachar were Tola and Pua and Jeshub and Shimram, four. And the sons of Tola, Uzai and Rephiah and Jeral and Jemiah and Jibsam and Shemuel, heads of their father's house, to wit, 
of Tola, they were valiant men of might uh, in their generations, whose number was in the days of David two and twenty thousand and six hundred. And the sons of Uzziah, Israel, and the sons of Israel, Michael, and Obadiah, and Joel, and Ishiah, five all of them chief men. And with them by their generations, after the house of their fathers, were bands of soldiers for war, six and thirty thousand men, for they had many wives and sons. And their brethren among all the families of Issachar were valiant men of might. Uh, reckoned in all by their genealogies, fourscore and seven thousand. So we see in this passage that the men of the tribe of Issachar were considered to be valiant men. They were mighty men. They were soldiers. They were men of war. Uh, So people, they noticed that. It wasn't uh, a secret. They'd seen this, that they were valiant men, and they've talked about it uh, throughout those generations. Uh, Tola comes from this family, from this line. Tola would be considered to be a mighty man. He would be very fit for the position of leader of Israel in this time when they needed someone, like chapter 10, verse 1 says, they needed someone to defend them. Uh, So what did Tola do as judge? So let's read the two verses about Tola here. Chapter 10, Judges chapter 10, starting in verse 1. And after Abimelech, there arose to defend Israel Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, and he dwelt in Shamir in Mount Ephraim. And he judged Israel twenty and three years and died and was buried in Shamir. So this is all we really know about this time for Israel. And this is all we really know about what Tola did as judge. Uh, We know that Tola judged for 23 years. Uh, that he rose to be judged so that he could defend Israel. Uh, we can clearly see that there was a need for someone to defend Israel. And this is probably because of one of the surrounding nations uh, were attacking Israel. Uh, so it appears that Tola led Israel in some type of battle when he first rose up to lead. And then after that, he judged them for 23 years. Uh, the fact that there is no other information uh, most likely shows us that Israel must not have strayed away from God under Tola. Uh, we also don't really know anything that God thought was important enough to record for us during that time as well. Uh, so uh, after this, we have the next judge come along. We had Tola and now we have Jair. And we don't really know of anything that happened in between. Uh, so we now we have Jair, the seventh judge of Israel. Uh, now, what do we know about Jair? We can read the next couple verses, and that will tell us all that we can know. Uh, so starting in verse 3, And after him arose Jair, a Gileadite, and, judge, and judged Israel twenty and two years. And he had thirty sons that rode on thirty ass colts, and they had thirty cities, which are called Havath Jair unto this day, which are in the land of Gilead, and Jair died and was buried in Cayman. I read that I thought of the Cayman Islands for some reason, but probably not the same place. Uh, So what do we know about Jair? Very similar to Tola, uh, we do not know very much about Jair. Uh, We do see that Jair rises up just like Tola did. Uh, it says in verse 3 that Jair rose up to be 
the judge. Uh, there would be a need for a leader and a judge when Tola died, and it seems that J.R. rose up right away and took care of this need. I, I would assume that he didn't need talked into it. It doesn't tell us of any time in between, so it doesn't seem like he sat around uh, thinking about it for months or years or anything along those lines. It seems that he stood right up and filled this position as it became uh, a need. Uh, we again see a man willing to step up and be a leader for God. Uh, J.R. judges for just one year less than Tola, so J.R. judged for 22 years. Uh, we don't know or really see anything in this passage that would hint to there being some kind of battle or war. Um, but uh, verse 3 just simply says that J.R. judged Israel. It uh, doesn't say that he defended them. It doesn't say he went into battle or anything along those lines at all. This doesn't mean that that didn't happen. Uh, we just don't see anything here that says that it did. Uh, so what else do we know about J.R.? Look at verse 4 again. And he had 30 sons that rode on 30 ass colts, and they had 30 cities, which are called Havath Jair, unto this day, which are in the land of Gilead. Uh, we see that Jair had 30 sons, and that they each had a city. It'd be kind of cool if my dad gave me a city, I think. Uh, but uh, we can make many assumptions about this, of how this played out, or what this means. Uh, I don't really know that we would get any benefit out of these assumptions, uh, but there is one thing that I do want us to consider. Uh, J.R. did judge Israel. He was chosen by God uh, to lead and judge Israel. He was a man of God. He was obedient to God in this area. He had 30 sons, and we're going to look at what happens after J.R.'s time here in just a little bit. And we will see that Israel does not stay close to God. Uh, so with 30 sons and Israel straying away from God after his death, uh, it seems obvious to me that these 30 sons of his, none of them wanted to rise up and, and be a leader. None of them uh, wanted to uh, lead in Israel. Uh, you would think that one of these boys would want to be like their father or maybe uh, that they would have such a good relationship with God. Uh, just like their father might have had, but it doesn't really appear so. Tola judged for 23 years, and uh, Jair then judged for 22 years, and it seems during that time that Israel was right with God. We're not told of them straying away during those years. Uh, and, and so let's see what happens now after these two judges are gone. Uh, so Jair's uh, passed away in verse Five there. So let's see what happens to Israel after that. Start reading in verse 6. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam and Ashtaroth, and the gods of Syria, and the gods of Zidon, and the gods of Moab, and the gods of the children of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and forsook the Lord, and served him not. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel. Eighteen years all the children of Israel that were on the other side Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. Moreover, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan to fight also against Judah 
and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was sore distressed. So we see that Israel again strays away from God. As soon as the leader is gone, a good godly leader is gone, they they just stray away from God. Uh, This time, uh, they didn't just turn their backs on God. Uh, They didn't just forget all about God. Uh, They didn't even just worship one false god. But they went and worshipped seven false gods. If you count them there, there's seven. They went and worshipped seven, and it says they served seven false gods. It's like they were looking for anything to worship at this point. Uh, They tried to worship any false god that they could find. Uh, Obviously, they did not find what they were looking for. They did not find what they wanted in these false gods, which is probably one reason why they kept adding more and more to the list. Uh, we will look, uh, when we look in the wrong places, we won't find what we need. Uh, if we, uh, need help and we go to the world or, or anything wicked, uh, anything other than God, we will not find the help we need. Now, there was a, a pretty famous TV show on. It might still be on. I really don't know. Uh, but it was called The Dr. Phil Show. And there would be people on there. It was, Monday through Friday, every single day, I think it was an hour long, I think it came on right at 3 o'clock every day, and people would always go on there, and they had an issue, and he would discuss it with them uh, and try to help them out. And it's good to, to help people, it's good to give advice. Uh, but the problem is, is those people weren't looking in the right place. I, I don't remember, I, my mom kind of watched it a little bit, so I kind of watched it with her uh, some, and I don't remember Dr. Phil telling them, to go look in the Word of God for answers. I don't remember Dr. Phil telling him, did you pray to God and ask God what he wanted uh, them to do in all of these situations? Uh, so what I'm saying is we need to go to God for help. We must go to God first to be re- able to receive the help that we're looking for, to get what we need. Uh, God may be uh, planning to work through other means. Uh, God may work through people. Uh, and give you direction through people. Uh, it's very uh, possible. It's, it's something that God does do. But we must seek God first. Uh, Israel went to all of these false gods. And not only did they not find what they wanted. But they were also punished for it. It did the exact opposite of what they wanted it to do. Uh, this caused God to be very angry with them. Look at verse 7. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. That is not a very good place to be. I think one reason God was angry is because they didn't just go looking into these false gods. They didn't just leave God and just kind of look at these false gods uh, from a distance. Uh, They actually went and started serving these false gods. It says in verse 6 there that they served Balaam and then it lists all the other false gods. Uh, They went and served these seven false gods. This uh, had to have hurt God. Uh, Think about it. God had to have been hurt by his children turning their backs on him and going to these seven false gods. It had to make God sad. God desires for us to love him. And one way for us to show him our love is by serving him. Uh, Israel was showing that loving service that belongs to God, Israel was giving that to other gods, to false gods. So could you imagine how sad and upset this would make God? 
Uh, Israel does get punished uh, for all of this. Uh, again, look at verse 7. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. Israel knows by now what will happen when they leave God and when they do wickedness. It's, it's not a secret. Uh, they know the stories of their ancestors uh, wandering away from God. And all the times, even in recent time, their recent history here in the book of Judges uh, of their fathers and grandfathers and great grandfathers and how they left God and they were punished and went through oppression from these other cities uh, that were nearby because of leaving God. Uh, Israel ignores this fact and they do whatever they want to do anyways. Uh, So how does Israel pay for this? They were vexed and oppressed, the verse says. Uh, they were vexed and oppressed by the Philistines and the children of Ammon. And I believe that's in verse 8. This is a severe punishment. Uh, we should pay attention to this. Next time that we think about forsaking God and maybe worshiping football on Sunday instead of coming to church or whatever it might be, whatever we decide to do instead of meeting with God, there are consequences for forsaking God. Uh, Ammon, uh, also, they they go to war and fight with the children of Israel here. Nothing good comes from leaving God. Nothing good comes from forgetting about God. Uh, We see next that Israel does cry to God. Look at verse 10. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, We have sinned against thee, both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. And the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Did not I deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines, the Zidonians also and the Amalekites and the Monites did oppress you and ye cried unto me and I delivered you out of their hand. Yet ye have forsaken me and served other gods. Wherefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. We see that Israel cries to God here. Uh, Israel points out that there was two sins committed. Uh, In verse 10, they point out that there was two sins committed. They forsook God, and they say that's a sin, and they served Balaam. And they said that was a sin. It says, look, in in that middle of that verse, it says both. It says we have sinned both. There's two sins, forsaking God and serving Balaam are both sins. Uh, If Israel would have only left God and never served Balaam, then they were still guilty of sin. If we forget about God and forsake meeting with God in our daily devotions and neglect coming to God uh, and meeting with him in church, Uh, then we are guilty of sin, even if we don't serve false gods. Forsaking God is a sin. Uh, We also, if we try to uh, play the fence, maybe, if you try to still have God in your life, you still believe in God, you still show up to church, and you still worship God, but you also worship other things. You, You put other things equal with God. You maybe sometimes on occasion put other things before God then you're guilty of sin for that as well. We cannot make anything equal with God. Uh, God reminds Israel of seven times 
that he delivered them from their enemies in the past. Now, I'm sure it's way more than 70. Probably could have listed a whole bunch there. I didn't add it up, but I'm sure there's a whole lot more than that. Uh, but God chose to remind them of seven times that he delivered them from their enemies. I think it's very interesting. Uh, Israel went and served seven false gods. And then God, the real God, reminds them of seven times in the past that he delivered them from their enemies. And again, I think he could have reminded them of, you know, 10 or 20 times. Uh, I don't think that this was an accident. Uh, I don't think that God just randomly lists the first number that came to his head of, of, of people he delivered them from. I think God was making a point here. I think God wanted this to stick in their head forever. Uh, I think God wanted them to know they did this. To, they worshiped seven false gods, and God said, hey, I delivered you these seven times. God wanted them to remember that forever. Uh, God even goes as far as to say uh, that they should go and ask these false gods for help. God, again, I think is making a point uh, that they couldn't, those false gods couldn't do anything to keep them safe to begin with. Uh, they were not able to do anything to save them now. Uh, they are not real. Only God is real. I think God wanted them to know that. Uh, the last thing that we see Israel do here is Israel repents of their sin and they make it right with God. Look at verse 15. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray thee, this day. And they put away the strange gods from among them and served the Lord, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. We see that Israel repents of their sin and they make it right with God. Uh, first, in verse 15, they say, We have sinned. Israel is admitting their sin when they say that. Uh, next, we see, and also in verse 15, they say, Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Uh, this is Israel acknowledging that there are consequences for their sin, acknowledging that God is, is almighty and he has the power and the right to punish them for their sins. They admitted the sins they did, and they're admitting that they know that there are consequences for that, and they're willing to accept the consequences. Uh, next, uh, Israel asked for forgiveness and for help from God. In verse 15 also it says, deliver us only, we pray thee. They're, they're telling God, please forgive us, please help us, uh, please accept our apology is basically what they're saying. Uh, then Israel repents from their sin. In verse 16 they say, and they put away the strange gods from among them. Uh, in verse 16 we see true repentance. They put away those wicked, sinful things in their life. They repented from their sin. And then finally, the fifth thing they do is they get back to work. Verse 16 says that Israel served the Lord again. Israel served the Lord again. This is the perfect blueprint of how to get right with God when we've strayed away. We've made a mistake. We, whatever happened to cause us to not be where we should be in our relationship with God, this is the perfect blueprint to follow. And hopefully we limit these situations in our life, but we are human. We do mess up. We make mistakes. But when we do, we need to first admit our sin. And second, we need to acknowledge the consequences. Third, we need to ask for forgiveness. Fourth, we need to truly repent. We need to turn away from whatever that sin is. Uh, if our sin is having a filthy mouth, 
and we go to bed at night and we say, God, I'm sorry for this filthy mouth. I won't do it again. And the next day we have a filthy mouth again and we go to bed that night and we say the same thing over and over again. We've never repented of that sin. We've never truly walked away from that sin like God wants us to. We need to truly repent from the sins that we have in our lives. And then the last thing we need to do is we need to get back to serving God. We cannot stay away from God. We cannot waste time away from God. There is too much work to do. There are too many lost souls that are dying and going to hell. There are too many Christians, our brothers and sisters out there, wandering around away from God. Or maybe they're sad or they need some help. There is work to do. We need to get right with God and get back to work. Uh, Us men specifically, we need to step up. Tola and Jr. they both seen a need. And they stepped up and filled this position when it was needed. Uh, They were both willing to do whatever it was that God needed them to do. And they did it right away. God needed a leader in that time and they stepped up and became a leader. Uh, Right now, God needs spiritual leaders in his church. Uh, We need men that will rise up and be the spiritual leaders that God needs them to be. We need men that will step up and serve God in whatever roles that he has for them. Uh, Whatever it is that God is asking you to do, maybe to lead, maybe to serve, maybe there's something to repent of. Whatever it is, give it to God now uh, so that we can be right with God again. Uh, so that we can be a church that is right with God. So we can be a church that is pleasing to God. Uh, we can be a church that is serving the Lord and a church that is reaching the lost and helping our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, so let's all rise up and serve the Lord. Let's pray.